I grew up with this belief that you couldn't do work that made you happy and still make money. Like if you wanted to make serious money, you needed a serious job. And all the, the jobs and the, the ideas of work that I wanted, that I brought forward, I was always told no. No, those are hobbies. No, those don't make any money. No, in order to be the best, you have to be a man. Like literally. So it skewed what I thought of work. Your work was work, not fun. Are you building a life and a business that you love? Or are you attempting to compartmentalize your personal life from your business life in order to keep things manageable? In this two-part conversation, Tori Boats and I share our experience of compartmentalization and the price we've paid. Tori is a spiritual coach and business strategist. She mentors high-achieving owners, founders, and public figures on performance, strategy, mindset, and execution to achieve their most ambitious goals with creativity, confidence, and courage. Her system is designed for ambitious entrepreneurs with a proven track record who are ready to drive extraordinary results without missing out on life. In part one, we will explore the core messages and the beliefs that shaped Tori's first two business experiences. And next week in part two, Tori will outline for us the strategies on how we can bring our head and our heart together to create a business and a life that we love now. You won't want to miss it. Thank you for being here. Hello, my name is Mary Maduna Gross, and you're listening to Fully Alive, the podcast for conscious entrepreneurs who are hungry to live their purpose, expand their impact, and create with ease. Tori, gosh, thank you so much for making time for this conversation with us today. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I see our notes from the, our, our, our setup. And I'm excited to get into it. But before we do, tell us a little bit about you and what brings you to this conversation about entrepreneurship, conscious entrepreneurship. You know, I think this is a favorite topic of mine. Um, What entrepreneur doesn't like talking about entrepreneurship and especially how do we make it more about more, about the meaning, about the purpose. Um, And, you know, I help founders who are at seven figures in their company looking to scale to eight figures, and they want to do so without missing out on life, which is a key aspect that's usually missing from most consultants. And yeah, I believe that you can create a business that supports the life you want now instead of sacrificing it and growth for growth's sake, which can really get you into that trap that I fell in myself. So I'm very passionate about this topic because I don't want anyone to suffer uh, like I did in my first two businesses, actually, <laughs> where I did it wrong. I didn't know any better. So, you know, my goal is really to educate people on how can you do this differently? How can you enjoy the process along the way? Yeah. All right. So we're, we're wanting, the, the way we're wanting to do this is to create a business in alignment with our lives so that we're not dominant one way or the other. But let's talk about the old way, right? Or the way that most of us have been brought up into how do you do, how do you create a business? You mentioned that you have a couple of experiences where you didn't know how to bring your life and your business together. Tell us a little bit about those challenges. Well, when I first started out in business, um, I was doing it because I hit a, a salary cap 
Like I could see that there wasn't going to be a lot of runway for me. And the goals for my life were much grander than I was living at the time and that I could see myself in that type of job. Um, so I didn't want that cap. So I started my business because I wanted to be able to make more money. And that is the number one reason people start businesses. There's two top reasons people start, start businesses out of the 10 that you could think of. It's for more money or to make an impact. Yeah. And it's interesting because the split is almost 50-50 men and women. So there's a slight edge for men to start businesses for money, for okay. wealth building. And then there's a slight edge over 50% for women to start businesses for impact. But that means no matter what your gender is, you may have one of two reasons for your business. Yeah. So that's the way I started out. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up with this belief that you couldn't do work that made you happy and still make money. Right. Like if you wanted to make serious money, you needed a serious job. And all the the jobs and the the ideas of work that I wanted that I brought forward, I was always told no. No, those are hobbies. No, those don't make any money. No, in order to be the best, you have to be a man. Like literally. So it skewed what I thought of work. Your know, work was work, not fun. Yeah. Um, and as I progressed in my business and growing that business, my sole purpose, my sole vision was more money to generate sure. wealth, to sell the company. And then I could do something that made me happy. Okay. Um, I didn't learn that in my first business. You know, we scaled to multiple eight figures, all profitable over, over a decade, you know, worth of longevity. We had about 75 employees and I wasn't really happy in that business. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't been happy for a while. So I kept trying different things. And I eventually decided, let me exit this business and start afresh. Okay. The same business, but fresh. Okay. Um, and I was repeating the same mistakes. I was going to ask you, can I interrupt you? Yes. What did you think was going to be fresh about the second effort? Hmm. How can I put this delicately? My business partner and I did not see eye to eye on okay. the future direction of the business, the values of the business, and the way we wanted to obtain business. Sure. So we had a difference of opinion there, and I cashed out of the business. Okay. Yep. So in the second time, you're going to be in alignment with your values. You're going to have partners and, and people with you that are in alignment. Okay. Yes. The second business was different partnerships, same type of industry, same type of work but the focus that I really wanted, the customer set that I wanted to, to focus on. And I didn't know how to trust myself and my own instincts. Mm -hmm. um, not about running a business on my own. I was clear on how to do that. It was more what was value to me, yeah. valuable to me. I was still looking at the wealth, the money generation aspect of it. And I didn't quite have a handle on what values even were. Okay. If that makes any sense. Um, I didn't understand my own ability to have empathy and compassion because I didn't have it for myself. Mm. And it took me a while to learn that. I had to get lost in the pit of despair. Yeah. Not once, but twice. I've had the rug pulled out from under me in multiple situations where, you know, it's almost like you've built this entire world, this entire life this mm -hmm. castle, if you will, and all of a sudden something happens and you're looking around and it's crumbled at your feet and you're standing in the middle of it going, oh, now what? Right. Um, and, you know, 
I used to say that I want to end the suffering and success because I literally was suffering through my success. And I find that that's such a big nebulous concept. It's hard to grasp. It is. Yeah. But that is what motivates me today. Okay. So that was business number two. Is the business you're in now still business number two? Yeah, this is my third business. Okay. Um, Completely different type of business. Which I don't believe you have to do if you're pivoting from something that you really don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a way to enjoy my work. I took I took a stint in there um, with large business, mm-hmm. and I became an executive running um, giant captures in this business. I ran a ten billion dollar capture. I was the strategic director and vice president for. Um, a multi-billion billion dollar pipeline, which is new opportunities and business growth. And we revenued around four to 500 million. And that was a different experience from small business and owning my own business. Even in those scenarios, I was chasing that elusive, I want to enjoy my work. Yeah. And I thought maybe this, maybe that, maybe switching things would be the answer. And I think, you know, as everyone tries to grow their career, they're really looking for what's that next leap. Right. Right. And, you know, in business, it's what's the next plateau? Mm-hmm. Because you jump to this new spot and then you got to kind of hang out there a bit and adjust. Right. And that's a season in your business. And then you're ready to go to the mm-hmm. next level. And for me and my first two businesses, it was headcount, numbers, okay. revenue, profitability. And same thing in my corporate career. Mm-hmm. or I guess it's always corporate because when I build small businesses, they look like mini corporations. Sure. Um, But, you know, the focus is growth and next level all the time. I never really took a a step back to understand how does my life fit into this? How do I enjoy my life right now? It it wasn't even a concept until I broke. (laughs) Right. Oh, my gosh. I literally was uh, on a call with another colleague earlier this week. And he too was saying, you know, he, he had a tech business and he's asking himself, gosh, um, I want to be happy and I'm not. Um, and then he realized, well, why can't I be happy now? Right. Why do I have, why do I have to wait until the next step or the next plateau? And, and, and it feels like as you're telling that story of those first two business experiences, it almost feels like there's a chase. Yeah. You know, there's a concept called the hedonic treadmill, which is when you reach a goal, the carrot just gets pushed further ahead and then the goal gets harder and you're never quite there. And, you know, that has to do with hormones and dopamine and, and all of those yummy things we love to feel. But that's that's what happens is it gets yeah. harder and harder and harder to get that fixed, to get that enjoyment when achievement is your only source of enjoyment. Yeah. Um, and you know, I found that the the real turning point, the key is finding joy in the situation you're currently in, which if you know the the role that you're playing, the job that you're in or the company that you're that you're responsible for, if you know that you don't have an option to do something different, mm-hmm. especially as a business owner, you, know, you have not only your whole entire livelihood and identity mm-hmm. tied up in this business, but all of your employees' mortgages. I used to yes. go to sleep. Thinking about the responsibility I had on me was so great. I didn't have the luxury of pivoting. And I had to find a way, you know, how can I be happy in the current situation 
and reframe how I look at it so that I can then open up all the possibilities for where the steps I could take next. And that's how I found my way into this third business, which to some, it looks like you have to pivot entirely to be happy. And that is not the case. I was happy in my previous positions and I knew that I had a calling to do something. And I'd never, it took me a while to learn to trust that and to really hear it. And that's what pushed me into this third pivot. Yeah. So when you say it took a while to really hear it, what is it that you finally heard? You know, people call it gut instinct or intuition. And I always thought of it as, as I'm working, sitting at my desk, if you can imagine yourself sitting at your desk, typing around, typing along or having a phone call. And then imagine this little butterfly kind of comes in to the periphery of your vision and it, it kind of dances about there and you look at it and it disappears and it keeps doing that and doing that over and over. That's what I liken this feeling to that there's got to be more for me than this. There's got to be better. I want to, I want what he's got and he's got an obsession over his work. Okay. You know, that idea that what do you, you know, this child, that childhood thing never worked for me where people say to find the work you're supposed to be doing, go back to your childhood. And what did you always wish you would be? And, and the answer for me would have been a a ballet dancer. Not that I was as a kid, but who knows where that came from. (laughs) Right. Or a space planner, a house designer, you know, and, and which is funny because it's engineering and design together. And that's what my tech career is. But yeah, it's, it's like, I couldn't put my finger on this thing I was meant to be doing. And when I started to pay attention to that butterfly, that nagging feeling mm-hmm. and giving it credit, I started to learn that it's a wisdom that you, that everybody has deep inside yeah. that will tell you things. You know, my body was telling me things. It was shutting down. I, I had, I went to the doctor, mm-hmm. got blood tests done because I was really, really sick. I was shuffling like an 86-year-old person who'd never, who'd had sedentary life, right? Wow. Which is not me. I, I am a ballet dancer, it, though an amateur. So I'm very active. Huh. And to have gone through that and to figure out what was wrong, I had 26 diagnoses on this one piece of paper. Wow. I was like, how, how do I have all these things wrong with me? Right. And you know, that's what happens when your adrenal system is completely f- fatigued. Right. Yes. And the stress and the overwhelm and the pressure, the pressure I was on was so great to grow. Yeah. So, so that, let, that finally did it. Let me see if I'm kind of seeing this whole picture. So you've got this drive for achievement. We're still talking about your first two businesses, right? Yes. Okay. So you've got this drive for achievement. You've got this little butterfly that's bouncing in and out. Sometimes you notice, sometimes you don't. But mostly you don't. And that drive for achievement, ignoring the butterfly, led you to a list of 26 diagnoses and a shuffling experience. Is that a fair way to summarize that? Yes, yes. I was not listening to all the signs. (laughs) Right. Well, like, and I'm also curious because not only, I mean, I've had the same experience, right? I, going through my leadership um, uh, career, like I thought, I don't know that I would have defined 
achievement as my ultimate goal, but it was really about uh, cohesiveness and collaboration. I mean, that was my ultimate goal. I wanted the whole team to feel like they belong together and, and that they could play off of one another. That's what I wanted. Um, and I also, I love your metaphor about that little butterfly um, because I completely, I, I swear to God, like if that was literally happening to me, I would have swatted the butterfly away. Yes. Uh, right. <laughs> it's just like, stop, stop bothering me. Stop bothering me. I got to focus on this. This is who I want to be. Exactly. Exactly. Cause I, I knew t- I was a super achiever. I knew how to get things done. You yeah. Know, two degrees. I was a valedictorian. I know how to follow a process and get shit done. Yeah. I don't have time for daydreams. I don't have time for all that stuff that doesn't get me to my goal. Yeah. That, so swatting that butterfly away, all too familiar. Yes. Oh, I love that we're having this conversation. And this metaphor is really powerful for me. <laughs> um, you know, because when I, so um, my, I also ended up in a, a health crisis. Um, I also had uh, marriages fall apart uh, as a result of that. I, you know, had got pushed out of jobs that I probably shouldn't have been pushed at, not should have like in that way, but yeah. um, because I wasn't showing up as who I really wanted to be. And they're like, oh, this isn't a good match, you know, and, and it just felt like a kick in the kick in the gut every time. Like, oh, you know what you're doing, everything you're doing, all the energy you're putting out. It's not enough. It's not good enough. Yes. And I had. I had my own uh, core beliefs of I'm not enough. And so these experiences were just validating that core belief, right? <laughs> so I end up in this, this medical crisis and eventually got out of that. But what I want to get to that point of is even years after that is looking back at how did I let this get to this point, right? How, how is it that I kept swatting that butterfly away when that butterfly was there to nudge me in the direction that I would ultimately be happy in. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a conditioning, I believe. Um, it's a conditioning of people telling you no or not having the right role models in place to see that there is a different way. And, you know, I, I truly believe the folks that were telling me no really had my best interest in heart. Sure. They didn't want me to live a life where I suffered or where I lived paycheck to paycheck. And in their experience, the things that I was really excited about doing didn't pay off. They were risky. And even though I grew up with parents that were both entrepreneurs and working in careers, um, I had kind of the best of both worlds there. It's very different when you want to do something because you're passionate about it. And, you know, passion gets a lot of flack. And I have to say that I fell down that road of trying to answer that unanswerable philosophical question of what's my passion, because I didn't know it was an unanswerable question. Yeah. And I dwelled there for so long. I I wrote. And I bet you wanted an answer, right? Oh, my gosh. A definitive answer that would be written in stone for the rest of your life. I wailed away every day to solve that question as if it were a quadratic equation. Right. 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 I was going to figure this out. And I had to let go eventually. I, I ended up writing a whole album of music about this experience because it is so devastating to go through that and to, to not know what I know today, which is the compassion, yeah. the compartmentalization. What I like to say today is that 
your business is really the equation of your personal and personal, or excuse me, your personal and professional life together. It's, it's that, that is the formula. That's the right formula that I was looking for. I studied CEOs um, when I was really young. I, my first business I started, I was 25. So I guess around 23, 24, I started going around and calling up CEOs and interviewing them. Right. How did you get here? What's the path you took? Doing my research to figure out how do I get in the room? Right. And really, I didn't want to be the CEO. I just wanted to get in the room because we were going through this dot-com boom and bust in the 90s, like the early 90s. And the company I was with, I was with a small company right out of the the military. And we had gotten bought, sold, merged, split off, sold again. We were five different names all in the span of a couple short years. And I was fascinated. How did they make these decisions? And I knew we had multiple suitors. How did they know which one to go with? So M&A, mergers and acquisitions, became a passion of mine, Mm -hmm. along with the organizational behavior aspects and the change management aspects. And they wouldn't let me in the room. I just, I, and how naive of me to say, can I come in the room while you have investing conversations? Right, right. I'm this peon. (laughs) Yeah, right, right, right. And I decided, well, if they're not going to let me in the room, I'm going to start my own damn room. That way I can make the decisions and I'll get first hand. So I created my own room. Um, and that was my taste of, ooh, yeah, this is fun. I don't need to be a technical person anymore. I knew it wasn't my passion. I was just very gifted in it. Right. And I jumped over to starting a business and I compartmentalized. I was taught. I was, I was taught stand this way. You look like a Barbie doll, so don't straighten your hair. Why are you wearing your hair up? You look unapproachable. Wear your hair down. It needs to be straight. I have curly hair. So I'm like, oh, I was so confused. And you, you stand too straight. I'm unapproachable. Now, mind you, I'm a ballerina. So I'm used to standing up tall well, and course. straight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my body is trained like that. So yeah. I had to work. Well, do I slouch? How do I slouch? Not too much. Do I cross my arms? Oh, don't cross your arms. Don't talk so high pitched. Don't be excited. I am wow. such a enthusiastic, passionate, vivacious person, and you don't want me to be me. So I learned that I didn't belong in business. I had to become and step into the role of this other person, and I fully embraced that to be successful. And that started me down this path of really lying about who I was. I didn't know that. I didn't didn't think, oh, I'm lying today. I just thought, these are the things I need to do to be successful. And those other things are wrong and they need to be squashed or put pushed down in my pocket. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about the whole idea of swatting the butterfly away. Yeah. That was me seeing joy be somewhere else going, oh, that's a distraction. Stuff it, stuff those feelings in my pocket. Yes. You know, and eventually like a beach ball being held underwater those emotions are going to fly in your face and bonk you in the nose yes, really same. fast. <laughs> um, so yeah, so when I learned about really what values and what empathy meant, what, what was the definition of those things and, and how to find compassion for myself, I was really on a journey to find it as a leader. How do I become an, a leader with empathy so that my employees love it here and they want to stay in my company? 
I hope you have enjoyed the first part of this conversation with Tori. Next week, Tori will outline strategies that will help us bring our head and our hearts together to create a business and a life that we love now. You won't want to miss it. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Are you ready to play and experiment with these ideas so that you too can live your purpose, expand your impact, and create with ease? Join us at Fully Alive on Facebook. We've created this space to explore the effects these practices and principles can have on your own experience. And if you're feeling the nudge to explore what coaching can do for you, send me an email at mary at bluebambooleadership.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, be fully alive.